cost time. As she left her animals, they inspected Barry. What could rip his throat like that? A bear swipe? Pewter's pupils widened. Perhaps. Mrs. Murphy, non-committal, sniffed the gaping wound, as did Tucker. The cat curled her upper lip to waft more scent into her nostrils. The dog, whose nose was much longer and nostrils larger, simply inhaled. I don't smell bear, Tucker declared. That's an overpowering scent, and on a morning like this it would stick. Pewter, who cherished luxury and beauty, found that Barry's corpse disturbed her equilibrium. Let's be grateful we found him today and not three days from now. Stop jabbering, Pewter, and look around, will you? Look for tracks. Grumbling, the gray cat daintily stepped down the dirt road. You mean like car tracks? Yes, or animal tracks, Mrs. Murphy directed, then returned her attention to Tucker. Even though coyote scent isn't as strong as bear, we'd still smell a whiff. Bobcat? I don't smell anything like that, or dog. There are wild dogs and wild pigs back in the mountains. The humans don't even realize they're there. Tucker cocked her perfectly shaped head. No dirt around the wound. No saliva, either. I don't see anything. Not even a birdie foot. Pewter, irritated, called out from a hundred yards down the road. Well, go across the creek, then, and look over there. Mrs. Murphy's patience wore thin. And get my paws wet. Pewter's voice rose. It's a ford hop from rock to rock. Go on, Pute, stop being a chicken. Angrily, Pewter puffed up, tearing past them to launch herself over the ford. She almost made it, but a splash indicated she'd gotten her hind paws wet. If circumstances had been different, Mrs. Murphy and Tucker would have laughed. Instead, they returned to Barry. I can't identify the animal that tore him up. The tiger shook her head. Well, the wound is jagged but clean. Like I said, no dirt. Tucker studied the folds of flesh laid back. He was killed lying down, the cat sagely noted. If he was standing up, don't you think blood would be everywhere? Not necessarily, the dog replied, thinking how strong heartbeats sent blood straight out from the jugular. Tucker was puzzled by the odd calmness of the scene. Pewter, have you found anything on that side? Deer tracks. Big deer tracks. Keep looking, Mrs. Murphy requested. I hate it when you're bossy. Nonetheless, Pewter moved down the dirt road heading west. Barry was such a nice man, Tucker mournfully looked at the square-jawed face, wide-open eyes staring at heaven. Mrs. Murphy circled the body. Tucker, I'm climbing up that sycamore. If I look down, maybe I'll see something. Her claws, razor-sharp, dug into the thin surface of the tree, strips of darker outer bark peeling, exposing the whitish underbark. The odor of fresh water, of the tufted titmouse above her, all informed her. She scanned around for broken limbs, bent bushes, anything indicating Barry, 
other humans or large animals, had traveled to this spot, avoiding the dirt road. Pewter? Big fat nothing. The gray kitty noted that her hind paws were wet. She was getting little clods of dirt stuck between her toes. This bothered her more than Barry did. After all, he was dead. Nothing she could do for him. But the hardening brown earth between her toes, that was discomforting. Well, come on back. We'll wait for Mom. Mrs. Murphy dropped her hind legs over the limb where she was sitting. Her hind paws reached for the trunk, the claws dug in, and she released her grip, swinging her front paws to the trunk. She backed down. Tucker touched noses with Pewter, who had recrossed the creek more successfully this time. Mrs. Murphy came up and sat beside them. Hope his face doesn't change colors while we're waiting for the humans. I hate that. They get all mottled. Pewter wrinkled her nose. I wouldn't worry, Tucker sighed. In the distance, they heard sirens. Bet they won't know what to make of this either, Tucker said. It's peculiar. Mrs. Murphy turned her head in the direction of the sirens. Weird and creepy. Pewter pronounced judgment as she picked at her hind toes, and she was right. Chapter 2 Crozet was the last stop on the railroad before the locomotive disappeared into the first of the four tunnels Claudius Crozet had dug through the Blue Ridge Mountains. This feat, accomplished before dynamite, was considered one of the seven engineering wonders of the world in the mid-nineteenth century. At the beginning of the twenty-first century, they were still wonders as two remained in use. The other two were closed but not filled in. On the other side of the Blue Ridge Mountains reposed the fertile and long Shenandoah Valley, running from Winchester, Virginia, by the West Virginia Line, all the way to North Carolina. The Allegheny Mountains bordered the huge valley to the west. But on the eastern slopes of the Blue Ridge Mountains, the land, although not as fertile, could be quite good in patches. Harry's tidy farm rested on one of those patches, Although lacking the thousands of acres of Tally Urquhart, she owned four hundred acres, give or take, plus she had kept her tobacco allotments current, allotments secured by her late father shortly after World War II. Still, like many a Southerner, and especially a Virginian, Harry was land poor. Good land, little cash. Deputy Cynthia Cooper drove down the long drive with Harry in the front seat, her animals in the back of the squad car, stones crunching underneath her tires. House or barn? House. Did my barn chores. Want coffee or tea? Love coffee. Cooper stopped, cut the motor as Harry opened the doors for Mrs. Murphy, Pewter, and Tucker. The animals raced ahead, ducking through the animal door on the side of the screen door, and then through the second animal door in the kitchen door. Harry and Cooper followed them. Ten-thirty. I hadn't paid attention to the time. She ground coffee beans in a small hand grinder as she put up water for tea. Harry loved the smell of coffee but couldn't drink it as it made her too jumpy. There's cornbread in the fridge. Miranda made a mess of it yesterday. 
Miranda Hagendaber, a lady in her sixties, worked with Harry at the tiny Crozet post office, where Harry was postmistress. The light inside the refrigerator illuminated Cooper's badge. She pulled out the cornbread and some sweet butter. Applesauce? Harry nodded. Church of the Holy Light. Last fall, the applesauce had been cooked up to perfection by the ladies of the small church to which Miranda belonged. Harry attended St. Luke's Lutheran Church, where her friend, the Reverend Herbert Jones, was the pastor. She sat on the parish guild, impressing other older members with her organizational skills. Here. Harry refilled the cat's dried food bowl, then reached into a large stoneware cookie jar to give Tucker a smoked pig's ear. Thank you. The corgi solemnly took the tasty ear, remaining in the kitchen to chew it because she didn't want to miss anything. You okay? Why wouldn't I be? It's not every day you find a dead man. Dying. He was dying when we reached him. Yeah, I'm okay. I feel terrible for him, but I'm okay. Gurgling. Pewter added the vivid detail. Right. Cooper opened a drawer, grabbed two yellow and blue linen napkins, placing them by the plates. A country person herself, Cooper understood that country people lived much closer to life and death than most urban or suburban people. It was good of Rick to allow you to take me home. I could have walked. Rick Shaw was sheriff of Albemarle County, an elected position and one growing ever more difficult as more wealthy people moved to this most beautiful.